Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So he is here, right? So the Advent season is officially over because Christmas has come. The birth of a Savior is now. It's today. It's real. And today, a Sunday like every other, but the day directly after Christmas, we have a new hope. A Savior has been born to us. All the hurts of the past no longer bind us. Our sins no longer defeat us. And death is no longer the final end for us. So it is clear. We have repeatedly talked about what it means for us to need a Savior over the last few weeks. And we have invited Christ to come. We invited God to make himself known. And Christ has come. He is home with us, his family. We talked about the brokenness of Israel, the treatment of the poor. We talked about the exclusion of the sick, the neglect of the widows, and the treatment of those who were considered less than. And all of those things pointed to the fact that God needed to break into our world. And as the message says, he needed to move into the neighborhood and change the world. And he did because, friends, Jesus changes everything. So let's read together what the coming of Christ means for us and what it meant for them. We can read this in the book of John chapter one. It's gonna be a scripture you're familiar with. So here again and anew these words from the gospel of John. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Hear this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world has, was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did not receive, or sorry, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. The light of God broke into darkness. He broke into a broken and hurting world as God once again came to make his home among his people. Right? Our relationship with God was broken from the time Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and, and that relationship was broken, but Jesus came to change that brokenness. Through Christ, God has made his home with his children, with us, his people. And so we have to remember this, right? So we celebrated Christmas yesterday when Jesus showed up as what? As a baby. He was born in our likeness, but we have to remember that Jesus grew up right? Jesus wasn't just an innocent baby lying in a manger that Christmas night so long ago. Jesus was so much more. He was going to set up a new way of living that would turn the entire world on its head. He was coming to change everything. The scripture predicted it. Everyone knew it. Mary knew it. Joseph knew it. The shepherds in their fields watching their flocks by night knew it. The magi knew it. Herod the king of the Jews even knew it. Eventually, as Jesus grew, the religious elite, the rich, the powerful, they would also know the change that Jesus was coming to make. He was coming to bring about a kingdom that would raise up the lowly and bring down the proud. Jesus would eventually do some pretty dramatic things to show the world exactly how much God loved them. but it started in a manger. From the very first moments of Jesus' life, he was viewed as a threat that needed to be dealt with. Jesus was considered a threat. So I want you to think about this for a second. How do you deal with something that threatens you? Squash it. She's talking about wasps, I know. Yes, sometimes you squash those threats. Avoid the threat. That's one way to do it. Sometimes we go to Facebook and we gripe about our threats, right? Maybe we return a threat for a threat. You threaten me and I'm going to threaten you right back, right? Maybe we call someone to help us to deal with that threat, like the police. Or maybe if the threat is big enough, we want to take out that threat completely, right? We become the bigger threat in that situation. I think the best representation I can come up with my mind about this uh, is the fact that I think Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader 
who try to convince Luke Skywalker to return to the dark side. They were trying to see, like, deal with a threat that they knew Luke posed, right? So the emperor knew that the light was going to win, and so he tried to convince the light to become darkness. He approached the light and said, hey, become one of us. Now, that's a story we know also from Scripture, right? Because Jesus dealt with that same thing in the desert. He went off into the wilderness, and then Satan, the dark one, came to try to convince him, become like us. Sometimes we try to convince that threat to be like us. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Everything will be fine. When they recognize that Luke is a threat, the first thing they try to do is convince him to become their ally. In this case, Luke would have had to use his power that he had recently discovered to do evil. He would not be acting as the chosen one, the one that was supposed to bring balance to the force. Once Luke refused the emperor's offer, what was the next thing that Emperor Palpatine tried to do? No, come on, Star Wars fans. Yeah, you got the lightning shock, right? <laughs> and like, you see all the blue sparks and like the 70s graphics were cool. <laughs> like, the emperor tried to, once he realized he couldn't convert him, he tried to destroy him. If the threat is big enough, a person will sometimes do whatever it takes to end that threat. That may mean either facing the threat down in order to defeat it, or it may mean something completely different. However we look at the life of the infant Jesus, wrapped in cloths, lying in a major, innocent, and you know, silent night and holy night and all that, we will never see him from the same perspective that Herod saw him from. Herod knew that Jesus was going to challenge him was going to challenge the way of Herod's life, was going to maybe attempt to take his power and his money and his prestige. We also can't see Jesus through the lens of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. We can't look at Jesus as if he was coming to upend everything we knew, but it was, it was clear that from the moment of Jesus' birth, some people who held power saw something very important about Jesus, and they had to confront that threat. So think about this. Even though Jesus in this moment, right? Here we are again, the day after Christmas. Even though Jesus is a tiny baby in a manger, in a stable, in a small town outside of Jerusalem, Herod sees such a threat that he has to find spies to go see who this newborn king is going to be. He was afraid. And so out of fear of losing his power and control, Herod makes some pretty disgusting and rash decisions, doesn't he? And we're going to read about that. If you've not ever heard the story of Jesus in the moments after his birth, this is important for you to hear today. You can find it in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. So let's read the scripture together. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And here's an interesting phrase. And all in Jerusalem with him. I wish I knew what that really meant. 
when he, had when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and, and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. <laughs> After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming, on, uh, coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and he took the child and his mother and during the night and they left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. So it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up and he took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. I need you to think about that for a second. The fact that Jesus threatening the entire world with a, a new shift in the way that people were going to live was so great that a king sent out spies to try to murder, you ready, a baby. That is disturbing. And I don't think we pay much attention to that scripture in its full context that a king was going to murder a baby. And then when he realized that he was outwitted, he killed every baby boy. And it says not just in Bethlehem, but in the area surrounding Bethlehem. So all of that area, there were no boys two years old or younger who survived the slaughter of these innocents. Can you imagine what King Herod was thinking when he thought about what kind of a, a shift that Jesus, this baby, this king of the Jews was going to bring from Bethlehem. I can't imagine feeling so threatened that you would have to try to kill a baby. 
We've talked about the corruption of the world at the time of Jesus, but there is no better example of how corrupt the world was than this moment in Scripture. While Herod for sure misunderstood the kind of change that Jesus was going to bring, he was absolutely right that Jesus was going to bring the kind of change to the world that would make history from that point forward very different. Instead of the message that we've heard before, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we've heard that, right? Jesus taught forgiveness and mercy. Instead of teaching people to stay away from the unclean, Jesus touched lepers and healed them. Jesus was there and he lived with the unclean. Those that were ill, Jesus brought back to wholeness. Instead of teaching that the law and religious practices and tradition were going to save a person, Jesus taught that relationship with God was what was most important. That's what God wanted. Jesus challenged an entire way of life that had been known for thousands of years to this point. Friends, I don't think we get how desperate life would have been because every single person was living for their survival, right? We live in a world where we've got like all the extras, our Xboxes and buffets. People in this world lived every day. They worked their fingers to the bone to try to get enough food to eat just for themselves and their families. Life was very different. It was hard. It was toilsome. And then you had those who were wealthy who basically built their fortunes on the backs of the poor. They were conscripted labor. They got paid less than a minimum wage. There was no protections for them. They were taken advantage of. Everyone cared only for themselves, especially the powerful and the rich and the wealthy. And the life of that baby born in a manger on Christmas was going to change that mentality forever. So we can look back into church history where the church created a community that rallied around and behind the poor and the sick. We can look back through scripture where we can see the church provided for those who couldn't provide for themselves. And the message of Jesus Christ through the power of a communal church grew and changed the entire world. And it started in a manger in the first century. So I want you guys to keep that in your minds. And I want to bring us here today, now. If you really stop and think about it, a lot of our world has kind of gone back to that time before Jesus. A lot, a lot of the world is built around us, right? Sometimes our perspective only goes this far. We see what impacts us and we don't recognize what impacts others. There's rampant poverty in the world, not just here in the U.S., but all over the world. We can see that the wealthy sometimes, they prey on the poor. The rich are getting rich while the poor are having their rights trampled on. They're having their lives put in jeopardy. They're seen as a commodity and not children of God. There's political unrest all over the world, even here at home. People hate one another based on the color of their skin. They hate one another based on the place that they're born. They hate one another based on their political or party affiliations. This is not what Jesus taught. People who have fight to maintain what they have rather than help people right around them. I did some research uh, for this sermon and the amount of wealth that is concentrated in the hands of such a few 
is absolutely insane. Did you know that today, if he wanted to, um, Elon Musk could give everybody in the world $35? It doesn't sound like a lot, right? But there's nearly 8 billion people in the world. And he could give all 8 billion of us 35 bucks a piece. I just can't imagine that amount of wealth that could never possibly be spent in one lifetime. And the issue is not so much the wealth, it's what we do with it, right? And don't get me wrong, I think that a lot of wealthy people do a lot to change the world for the better, but there are some who, again, only are concerned with themselves. We've all heard stories about how children have been neglected, how older adults have been abused in nursing facilities or other tragedies like that. We've heard about human trafficking. We've heard about modern-day slavery. And all these things are pointing out to me that I don't think the world looks like the kingdom that Jesus was trying to bring about. Injustice, discrimination, inequity. So much changed because of Jesus in the first century, and it lasted a really long time. But not even the church gets it right anymore, right? We fight each other in the church because we don't like this particular song, or we don't believe this particular aspect of whatever creed. We have to ask ourselves, did Jesus coming into our world make a lasting difference? The kind of difference that Jesus would have liked to have made in our world? So I want you to hear me when I say this. I don't believe that our world is bad. But would Jesus recognize our world today as the one he left behind? The one that he hoped for? The one that he died to help bring about? So here we are again, Christmas, it's over. The decorations are going to come down, the trees are going to come down. We're going to put stuff up in the attic and we're going to forget about it until like the day after July 4th and then we're going to pull it out, right? Because Christmas starts in July now. But what are we going to do between now and next Christmas? How are we going to be again the light bearers that Jesus called us to be, not just today, the day after Christmas, but next month and then next week and maybe six months from now? What are we going to do to bring light to the world? How can we start to change the world to be more in line with the kingdom that Jesus wanted to create? How do we again bear hope, joy, love and peace to our brothers and sisters. I believe the only way we can do it is by looking at Jesus. We have to realize that Jesus' is, his threatening lifestyle is the same one that we're called to live out. We're called to be people who fight for justice, who take care of the broken, just like Jesus did. We're called to not only focus on the coming of Jesus in the manger that first Christmas, but we're come to live the example of a radical life that Jesus set for us. A life of extravagant love, a life of um, incredible forgiveness, 
just like Jesus did. Today, here, now. So friends, I invite you to live once again like Christmas matters every single day. I invite each of you to live again like the threatening, radical, life-changing Jesus makes a difference in your own life. And I want you guys to go out of this place and fight the same fight that Jesus fought. Let's make sure that not just today, this day after Christmas, but every single day that Jesus' coming makes a difference in our own lives, in our world. And so should we. Friends, let us be thankful for the advent of Jesus that changes our world and let us be willing to bring those changes again. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. You're not just a baby born in a manger, but you are also the savior of our world. God, we love you. And we thank you for the gift of Christ who brings about a change in our world that should impact us still to this day. God, help to make us radicals like Jesus. This we ask in his name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.